0: Hey there, people of the Interwebs. It's uh, me, Brandon Noel. Uh, Thank you uh, for joining us on the Bookies Podcast. If you've never listened to an episode of the Bookies Podcast, we are a monthly book club podcast where a group of friends and writers sit down and discuss a uh, a work and its author. Uh, Past this point, there be spoilers. Um, this month's book is uh, Michael Crichton's Eaters of the Dead this is the first Michael Crichton novel I've ever read I know I'm a bad person I apologize for my shortcomings as a human being Um, this book is strongly influenced by the Beowulf myth which I'm a huge fan of Uh, I don't go into it too deep in, in in the podcast but I'm a huge comic book guy, huge comic book geek, and, uh, my senior year of high school, basically, Beowulf was put in front of me, and I, I, in college, I would later write a comparison paper to Beowulf and Superman, like, the myth, the, the, of the iconic hero all these years hasn't really changed all that much, and, uh, so, I'm a big Beowulf fan, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to see uh, um, th- this book was so inspired by that. Uh, you might be familiar with it as it's the basis of a movie, The Thirteenth Warrior, which is a really good movie. Um, you know, modern retelling, or not modern retelling, but it, it kind of retells the Beowulf myth in a very unique way. Um, with some real history thrown in. But with that said, before we jump into today's book, uh, I just want to take a moment and talk to you about uh, Those Meddling Kids. Uh, I'm a cartoonist, and uh, through the month of October, we're going to have a Kickstarter running. It's a a 48-page graphic novel called Those Meddling Kids. This is the perfect horror Halloween book Uh, It is heavily inspired by the Hanna-Barbera cartoons of uh, Scooby-Doo, the Funky Phantom, Josie and the Pussycats, Um, all those kinds of teen mystery shows that were kind of rampant in the 60s and 70s. Uh, Basically, I'm telling a darker incarnation of those stories. In comic books, there's a tradition of the last story ever told. Whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow... Dark Knight Returns, Spider-Man Reign, it goes on and on and on. Uh, just this, this tradition of what would be the last story ever told. So I thought, what would be the last um, story in that line of uh, those meddling kids shows? And basically the plot is a bunch of villains get out of prison and say, yeah, we're going to kill those teenagers. Uh, you're dealing with a very unique uh, type of villain Probably has a master's degree in engineering. First time around, wasn't trying to kill anyone, wasn't trying to hurt anyone. It was all about money. This time around, it's personal and they're out for revenge. So it's, uh, you know, those meddling kids. It is a darker take on the uh, iconic Scooby Doo, Josie and the Pussycats, Jabberjaw myth. Um, Well, not myth, but, you know, those shows from the 60s. And, uh, I, I just wanted to talk to you about it because I'm really passionate about this project. I had a lot of fun drawing it. Uh, it, it you know, it kind of consumed my life for the last six months. And, uh, by the time you're listening to this, the will already be available through Kickstarter. The Kickstarter campaign will be up and running. Um, you know, you can find us through DestinyComics.com. You can go to, uh, kickstarter.com and type in those meddling kids um you can also follow us on uh tumblr uh twitter instagram at destiny comics um and uh we're also available on youtube as i'll be doing some art tutorials and draws and stuff like that but uh i just want to say thank you and if you enjoy this podcast you want to support us um you know, uh, maybe you you kick in a few bucks on the Kickstarter. I, I'd be very appreciative. Uh, I know we have a couple of people who listen to the show who aren't necessarily fans of the books that we publish. Um, but I just want to say thank you for listening. And, uh, you know, in a weird way, you're kind of a part of my life now. And I just want to say thank you. And, and if you wanted to reciprocate that, Here's a great opportunity. And if not, you know, uh, keep on listening. The podcasts are going to stay free. Uh, the books are going to keep coming. Uh, and uh, maybe if you're a fan of the, the Scooby Doo kind of stuff, maybe you check this one out. So thank you. Without further ado or gilding the lily, uh, Eaters of the Dead.
1: You feel that most kids are, are just getting I, I got them press.
0: on the street anyway. No. Well, like you watch something that's produced by Acorn. One of my favorite shows I is Slings and Arrows, one of the best shows I've ever watched. Uh, There's a sex scene in that where you see more than you would see on an HBO series, but it's also this weird Canadian melodrama. It's like, huh, that's a little out of place. <laughs> and that aired on Canadian television. How interesting.
2: <coughs> Acorn Media did an Australian six episode series called Rain Shadow that I saw like years and years ago. And it's about it's about people in Australia living in a rain shadow and trying to ranch in a place where it does not rain ever. They have like no water. It's I can't find it online anywhere, not even just to buy it, you know, legitimately, but it's <coughs> one of the greatest series I've ever seen. It's no. so cool.
3: Okay, so you guys ready to get started? Oh, yeah, okay. We'll stop talking about other stuff. And, well, we've been going for like three minutes
1: and we're still talking yeah. about awesome. it. Awesome! All right, let's talk about this now. <laughs> I
2: sure, uh, uh, It's the executive producer of Joss Whedon moment. That's what that is. That's fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll start and then we'll go around just so everyone listening uh, knows our
4: voices and names. I'm Brandon Noel.
2: I am Luis Lopez.
5: Wayne Abraham.
4: David McFarland. Justin Stallard.
6: Bonnie Stallard. Malene Noel.
0: And we are the bookies. Um, Justin, you brought this book uh, forward, um, okay. so we're going to go ahead and start with you. Okay. Um, you want to give the basic synopsis?
4: Well, it's um, about a title uh, and well, the the uh, the book is written by Michael Crichton, and it's Eaters of the Dead, and it's about a uh, an Arab who goes on a uh, what's the word. diplomatic mission to the Bulgars uh, and uh, winds up going north with a bunch of Vikings and fighting alongside them. So, and uh,
6: roughly based on
4: roughly based on some uh, on some uh, uh, ancient texts and and, and Roughly, fail yes. It,
0: it's yeah. historical
4: fiction. Yeah.
0: Yes. Um, where it's actually really hard to tell which is historical and which is fiction. Yeah. yeah. Well, he addresses
6: them. that in the third appendix. Yeah. yeah. Third appendix. Which
0: I didn't read any of the appendixes.
6: Uh, the first three sections are almost verbatim from the original text. He changed very little. After that is where he made his changes. Right. But he kept the same voice. So, it, and he talks about how at one point... And going back, because this printing we have is like a second printing and he revised a few things or something. Going back, he was looking for one of, and his footnotes, because some of the footnotes are accurate and some of them are made up. And he was looking up something and realized that was one of the things he made up in that text and that person don't even exist. And he spent like several hours trying to find it and <laughs> um, He's like uh, he fooled himself with that. So that, that, that it was <laughs> that good. It, it was good. funny. That made me laugh. I, it,
0: I've never read any Michael Crichton, and I felt like this was a bad introduction to Crichton because oh. he was writing in somebody else's voice.
7: Mm.
6: See, I don't know. This is my second Crichton. The first being Jurassic Park, yeah. Which um, sections of it are amazing? And unfortunately, throughout the book, there are these really long at least they seemed long. they may have only been a few pages each, but they were at least a few pages each okay throughout like every chapter he's, he talks more and more about chaos theory mm-hmm. and it 's just it 's college level chaos theory stuff, and he drones on about it for several pages and then he gets back to the action. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh! Just shut up! Just stop! Well, I don't care like, anymore. Make stop. That's, that's why uh, they Ian have Malcolm. Malcolm yeah, 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 played Ian by Ian Jeff Malcolm. Goldblum, and just he talks whatever. about yeah. chaos theory. But. He doesn't talk about it that much. He he mentions things here and there. And if it would, that was all it was in the book, I'd have been okay. But a lot
4: <laughs> of Crichton's books tend mm-hmm. to be on the more scientific and techie side. That's his mm-hmm. whole thing. The whole thing. It is, Because you, know, yeah. you have mm-hmm. uh, prey. Mm-hmm. You have... Uh, what's it, his strain. first one was Andromeda Strain. Andromeda Strain. Mm-hmm. strain mm-hmm. And, a uh, timeline. Uh, timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did he do? Congo, two. Congo, Congo, he did. It, you, you know,
2: for Next, which talks about genetics and how those can be copyrighted these days, he goes... He goes on at great length about the actual process of trying to copyright a specific gene sequence and then like trying to replicate it and then sell it to companies. And it's not like it's important to the plot of that book, but after a while you go, I don't necessarily need to know all of this. No, we don't
6: need to know all of it. And I think that, that uh, he, as an author, maybe probably likes it so much that he just wants to share all this knowledge with everybody. Yeah. But personally, I would tell him, if I had a chance to talk to him, it down a bit. Yeah. Bring in some mm-hmm. of it, but not nearly as much. Yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm educated. I'm a college graduate. I have my <laughs> BA. However, it's not that I don't understand it. It's just no. that, that I if just I, I want to read an action story, I don't want that much of the science that's in it. I want to know that it is based on science. I think that's good. He yeah. would have he needs a great to know future in writing
4: yeah. textbooks. <laughs> 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 because he writes. Uh, textbooky stuff, but it's interesting to read. Yeah, it's... Like in a way
2: that it's understandable, yeah. <coughs> it's really fascinating to get into some of the logistics behind the stuff that he's talking about, but it sometimes it's not necessarily that related to the plot at hand. Or it
6: flows though. down the story where he put it mm-hmm. in yeah. the book. Like,
2: was the f- <laughs> I wouldn't have put it there. I would have waited. Like, the beginning... Put of it in Years the appendix. <laughs> it wasn't, like, you know, scientific, but he talks about the discovering of the manuscript and how it's in pieces and all this, and it's really cool to know about, but yeah. it almost seems like a separate text that you should read like after the fact. What yeah, right. yeah, well, was I the prologue, though? Yeah. So. Introduction. I, I, introduction. Read,
5: I read the introduction, and after reading the introduction, yeah. uh, it took me almost four weeks before I picked the book up again <laughs> to start reading. <laughs> oh, Just dad. because the introduction was so dry and textbook yeah, that mm-hmm. it's like, okay... Oh, yeah, I should be reading that. Nope, not right now. Thankfully, the book itself Um. wasn't like that. And I have to
6: say, now, granted, I've only read Jurassic Park and this. But this read more easily, and I found it more enjoyable on the whole than Jurassic Park because it didn't have those the science stuck in the middle. Did,
7: yeah.
6: Of every That's so because
3: I would have expected Jurassic Park to be more entertaining. Because the movie... Yeah, we loved Jurassic yeah. I was love Jurassic
6: Park. It was great. Yeah. It's know. fantastic. Because they, it's they cut out all the stuff. stuff. And, and if if there's there's The 13th yeah. Warrior. Yeah,
2: this book came out and then uh, I think he actually wrote the screenplay for 13th Warrior as well. I um, think.
4: Yeah, but that was some years yeah, later was, because yeah. the original printing on these was 1972.
0: Yeah, And 13th Warrior is a movie like I have seen half a dozen times, mm-hmm. more so. It, it for a while in the 90s, that was the movie that ran the heck out of on TNT. <laughs> so as you're flipping through the channels, it was always on. Mm-hmm. you just stop and watch it. And, uh, yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, and
4: it follows the book very closely. Yeah, it's very close. Mm-hmm. So that's what I keep hearing. I haven't
3: seen it yet, but <laughs> one of these things, I like will sit down it's and
0: watch it. It's on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we looked it up. We were going to buy it. But, yeah. Okay,
3: so starting with... Lewis, what was your favorite part of the book?
2: Oh God, um, just the description of the mist warriors, like that that whole sequence. Just oh God, it's just fascinating to me because I've I've done a, a tiniest bit of like research into like Viking mythology and berserkers and bear shirts and and just the whole history behind them is fascinating to me. So when he's talking about it, like. In this, you know, like first-person perspective, like he's seeing them, and it's just, oh, it's all becoming real to me. <laughs> that's
0: where the myth of the werewolf comes from. In really, the werewolf in yeah. early, early Germanic werewolf myths, you would put on the pelt of the animal before you became. Oh. So yeah, okay. you know, obviously these are humans, yeah. wearing the, the pelts and stuff and bears be, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, but that's where the myth of the werewolf comes from.
7: Did not know
0: that. Okay. And, well, uh, okay Wayne, Wayne. Um.
5: It it had it had good stuff throughout, bits and pieces that I enjoyed. Um. I liked. How he got railroaded into going to, into onto <laughs> this mission that he had no interest in participating in, but was unable. You know, it's like, oh, either you go or we kill you, basically type thing, and yeah. uh, you know. So he's getting railroaded on it. He is the reluctant participant, and yet when the time comes. For the final va- battle, uh, well, I, I think he, even the uh, the the battle with the dragon, mm-hmm. you know that that sequence. I
6: mean, he wasn't a he wasn't a fighter. He yeah. wasn't he was yeah.
5: he wasn't a fighter, but he
0: got lucky and survived.
1: Uh, yeah. he, he did, it's you know, Bilbo <laughs> and, and
5: yet, when it came time to to uh, prepare to attack the Thunder Caves, he was he was there, he was prepared, and he was facing it without fear when the Vikings around him were scared and it showed.
7: Mm-hmm. But at because that super
5: at that point mm-hmm. his fear had left him.
4: Up until the point he had to go down the cliff face.
6: Yeah. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was his
7: phobia,
0: well, so it gets different. Harder <laughs> as you go well, can somebody else go so I can see you
4: now, <laughs> It gets harder yeah. the more he... Yeah. Okay, your turn. The last person has to go down by
1: himself. Okay. <laughs> Get it? Um, I didn't really have a very favorite part of the book because I've seen the movie so many times that... I was just happy that I could actually read the book and actually get through it. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of dry. It was definitely textbooky, but all in all, it was a it was a good book to read. It, it definitely was really close to the movie, but I didn't really have a very favorite part of it. It, I mean, I don't want to say it's like fantasy. It's is definitely historical, but it's just every time I read about the main character in the book I was to pick Antonio Banderas why the hell did they pick him for <laughs> uh, yeah it's like
0: Antonio uh, yeah it's, it's the misadventures of Antonio Banderas yeah. <laughs> but
5: having not seen the movie I didn't picture him as Antonio
2: uh, yeah. right Banderas oh I did yeah,
7: yeah
3: so apparently I pictured all the actors <laughs> we are of
2: two people in the <laughs> <See>, screenplay my <laughs> mind was totally clear I'm like okay that's who this guy is he's not why would it say Antonio but it's not Antonio Banderas. <laughs> it's yeah. Antonio Banderas I haven't seen the movie
7: <laughs> yeah.
6: I, I've seen the movie but I didn't I wasn't sitting and watching it I was doing other things at the time and it happened to be playing yeah. I was at someone else's house um, and I was helping playing on TNT. <laughs> 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 it was Mike and Katie's and we were doing wedding stuff Yeah. Yay. so no, Mike had it on no he it owns it. it he had oh, it on okay. <laughs> And he was watching it. But I, it was, I was in and out. So I I, don't even, I didn't even sit and watch the whole thing. It was just on. I, I remember scenes. So there would be scenes in the book where I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't... I didn't picture Antonio Banderas or any of the other actors. Mm-hmm. Because I was able to just be able to picture who I thought in my head it should be. You know, kind of a thing. But
1: well, I've seen the movie...
6: Well, what's your favorite part of the movie, then? Do you have a favorite part? No, because
1: it, it, story? it really reminds me of the book. It's really, really it's, close. I've like, never, really close.
0: I've never seen or read anything this close.
1: Yeah, it's that's that, great. It's that yeah. close. Right. But um, well, it it basically, it then. read it read yeah, like it a, right. like a history book to me. Mm-hmm. It's like reading a, like a textbook. So yeah. I don't think anyone has a favorite part of a textbook <laughs> that they've read. The, well, I do, yeah.
6: <laughs>
2: but I'm well, a nerd. The <laughs> end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Basically, yeah. I
6: mean. Oh man, mm. I loved my my theater textbooks though. Oh god, those were <laughs> <great, yeah. laughs> <They're> amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I kept them. I didn't sell them back to the bookstore. I, kept I threw them. mine away.
7: I have a couple that uh, I kept. Yeah. Uh,
4: um, or,
0: uh, Justin, your favorite part?
4: Um, well, I like the way they he described the way they lived. You know, like the way they they did their everyday things uh, and their social interactions with each other.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: <clears throat> of course, the one scene that sticks out in my mind is when he's uh, he first gets to the camp in the north uh, on his first mission for the uh, for his Arab ruler the Caliph the Caliph yeah, right no. and he, he's in the tent with a, a bunch of Vikings and they go around with a pan of water and they wash their face they snort their nostrils out and spit it all back in the pan and then hand it to the next guy cool. and he does the exact same thing and then hand it to the next guy and so on and so forth like 14 guys do this and uh Oh God, last? No, and, uh, and it was in the, in and the that is too. the part that they did I put in the movie. <laughs> <too>. And <laughs> if I remember right, it looked like he they each really did it. I don't. It, they, if they didn't do a cut, they did a really <laughs> good <laughs> at slicing Just that. Just
7: one continuous shot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so wrong, wrong. <laughs> <So>
4: wrong. <laughs> I can see a bunch of Vikings. Yeah. doing that. I, I, mean, like, I you know, know what, yeah. because they were not they were not known for their hygiene. No, you know, you know, Some clans were. Some, yeah, some clans were. Like the one they described, uh, the, the ones that were more militant. Yeah. Uh, they washed. They washed in the ocean and had a privy. Whether they needed to or not. Whether mm-hmm. they needed to or not. And, but all the others, they tended to just go where they may. Mm-hmm. And rarely, including the women. Including the women. Mm-hmm. And they rarely bathed. And uh, but most of them seem to have no problem with uh, fornication in public, Mm -hmm. which
3: oh hey there you
4: go yeah. And and they didn't seem to have much of a uh, problem with their husbands ravaging a slave girl or a wife being ravaged by a friend. It just it's share and share alike apparently.
2: It was a, It was a common thing among a lot of different cultures mm-hmm. years and years ago for that to, for that to occur mm-hmm. um, it, the, the The idea of like two people solely being with each other is very much a modern times kind of invention yeah. you know and we have reasons for it of course it's just not, it's not old it's fairly new
0: well part of that's actually getting off topic was what led to the downfall of the Viking society there was so much inbreeding going on that the future generations yeah. We're not the Vikings that the previous generations were. Yeah. That's ultimately what led to the downfall of the Viking Empire.
3: Because, you know, like you said, I mean, even not among the Viking, you know, groups, the idea of a monogamous romantic relationship mm-hmm. amongst most nations is very recent, yeah. you know. I mean, even all the way up to the, you know, 1950s. Even though that was the thing to marry, you know, for love, whatever, it wasn't uncommon for the husbands to have mistresses. And yeah. if they did have a mistress, oh, well, he's a guy, you know, kind
7: of thing. Yeah, so and,
2: and for them to <laughs> know about the mistress. Yeah, yeah, they would know about it the mistress. It wasn't a secret. And the, hus- was and
5: the husband and wife, if you were wealthy. You went up the stairs and it split to two separate wings, and one wing of the house was his, yeah. and one wing of the house was so hers.
3: the whole mm-hmm. idea of a monogamous.
7: They thing slept
5: is in separate wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at so least yeah. on Dick Van Dyke show, they were in same separate band. beds, but yeah. at least it was in the same room. Yeah. Same mm-hmm. thing with Lucille Ball, yeah, yeah. yeah. twin God. beds. I mean, <laughs> even with Lucille Ball, they... my parents know, slept you know. in twin beds their entire lives. So it's mm-hmm. like even
3: with Lucille Ball, there was kind of the whole when she when in real life she got pregnant. Like how do we address this on TV? Yeah. You know, you know.
4: Yeah.
0: So back well, to um, the book. Yeah, Sorry, okay,
6: oh, book, okay, yeah. right. That's why um, we're here. Okay, yeah. So, so, so I, have
0: <laughs>
6: <laughs> I have a couple things. I although uh, when I was reading it, I rem- I vaguely it was one of the scenes I actually remembered from the movie, but the fight scene where you you've got these guys who are whispering in rag, uh, King Rothgar's ear. You know, oh, uh, you know, they're trying to conspire against our not Beowulf, but that character. What's his name? Beowulf. B- 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 oh, yeah, close enough. Anyway, um, <laughs> and you have his buddy uh, fighting. They find out, you know, they Burger. yeah, yeah
7: Burger.
6: fighting against the other guy, and oh, he's yeah. the,
0: so the oh, yeah. three
6: shields fight, right? And he's <laughs> lost On a bear all their skin all three <laughs> shields and you're like oh crap he's going to die and then he side swipes the guy and chops his head off he's like, and no. you're like this is all and he made he did it on purpose that he wasn't going to you know that he, he made it look like he was losing on purpose mm-hmm. to you know because they value that whole deceit and battle and stuff like that that, that is thing.
0: actually a true Viking tradition where they fought on the, mm-hmm. the stretched animal yeah. hide the only difference is in the actual tradition of it the two dueling parties would go out to an un, uh, an island all by itself, hmm. and there's actually this great Viking poem from a historian talking about everyone at the other shore listening to the swords and the shields, not knowing who was winning. Oh gosh, that's amazing! Because that's that's real mm-hmm. history. That's Viking. Yeah, I like how he used
6: so much of the history in it. Mm-hmm. Um, another another thing that I really liked. Um, I was, want to look up that poem was the the growth of the of our narrator our yeah. character mm-hmm. you know at at the beginning i mean he yes he, he does it's stated he writes much like an anthropologist he's writing about the culture but then he's become a part of it you know so we've we've seen early on in the book how a funeral goes and at the end he's one of the participants in the funeral ceremony and although he obviously didn't agree with the way they did things He was a friend to the guy who died. And by golly, he was going to respect his wishes in his Mm -hmm. tradition, even if it went against things that he believed. Mm -hmm. And I I liked that. I respected that about the character, that he was willing to put aside his opinion about it.
0: Religious respect to And
6: everything. He's my friend. I'm going to honor it the way he would want me to. Mm-hmm. And expect me to, even though he knows I believe differently. One of the things I and I had a lot of respect for. You know, I know he's a, he's a, you know the character himself was based on a real person, and of course this, that part of the story was not part yeah. of the original. But but I know people who are like that who would be willing, and I know people who would be. You know, think of people, the really religious people today of today, who are like, oh no, I couldn't. Yeah. You
2: know. I can name a few of them that yeah, I don't, I don't that enjoy spending <laughs> time with. Yeah.
6: Becau- because then they're they're going to just judge, and they're going to yeah. constantly, instead of saying, "Well, I'm not going to agree with you," but I'm not going to judge you. Yeah. You know, which I think is actually how we should all be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what Christ some would of do. Of but some
0: of the religious talking this talking you know, was beautiful.
1: Was Why do you have one God? Yeah, well brought one brought God's not enough. <laughs> you know, there's, some, there's some
6: really interesting. Yeah. I like that. You know. <laughs> I like
4: the part where he, he talks about he wasn't able to do his prayers on his schedule like he was supposed to, and he talked about as long as he knew he wasn't doing it and he wasn't forgetting mm-hmm. to do them. N- forgetting to yeah. do them was worse than not doing it. N- knowing that you can't do it and just At keeping least, track it, of it in your mind, doing, yeah. and uh, so that that was forgivable. But <laughs> yeah, if you, you just, just forgot about it altogether that was sinful mm. and, uh, and and uh, the little loophole about <laughs> the <mead>. about <laughs> the mead not you know he can't drink <laughs> of uh, the fermented grape but this is made of honey so
0: he can
6: drink it
4: he can drink it <laughs> I know some Muslims in real
0: life they will not abide by that loophole yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah that I love that because you know yeah. Dave brought some mead for some of us to try <laughs> and I've had it many times I couldn't I found eat. it
6: really interesting as well. We talked about their hygiene. That they may not know about certain things. However, how they could tell if a man's injuries were enough that he was going to make it. Oh, it's no big thing. Okay, yes, he got a head injury. We can see straight to the bone, but the bone's not broken. He'll live. <laughs> you know,
2: <laughs>
6: he might be a
4: little dingy, but he'll live. He'll <laughs> live. He'll
6: <laughs> be fine. You know. Whereas you go to, you know, that this is the reason I made onion soup. Because of the soup test, Mm -hmm. Um, if he gets a stomach injury, they feed him soup. If they can smell onion, he's got the soup sickness. It means, they don't understand, it means that his innards are, you know, they don't necessarily have all the knowledge we do of of anatomy, specifically. Mm -hmm. But they understood that
5: if you could smell it from the
6: wound, then he wasn't going to make it. Mm -hmm. And if he was, then great. I mean, they bandaged him either way, but, you know, um, I just found that really interesting, the things that, that... yeah. They, they
0: even talked about boiling cow urine, mm-hmm. which was a medieval source of... Um, Bleach. You know, Ammonia. Ammonia. Well, Ammonia yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, also, early on, moldy bread was something mm-hmm. because it's an early... Um, penicillin. Yeah, penicillin. yeah you get penicillin.
7: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. so, so mm-hmm. Go ahead, Bailey.
3: Well, <clears throat> like Dave, I didn't really have a favorite part. Like, It all was kind of mm-hmm. like there were moments that I thought were funny and were great and other parts where I was like oh my gosh get on with it <laughs> you know <laughs> like when he was like oh we go here and then we went here and then oh my goodness okay I got it he went many many places <laughs> you know but my th- one thing I did enjoy was the relationship between the main character and the Vikings and there was that one se- thats one section of the book where <clears throat> they talk about the sea monsters and you know the uh-huh. combat whale for the description. So it's like, <laughs> oh no, the terrible sea monsters. And then there's that footnote where it's like, there's been some debate that the Vikings were just messing with the main character, you know, <laughs> you know which is what I like to believe. You know. It doesn't say straight out in the in that book book if they were actually believed <laughs> was a sea monster or not. But these people were Vikings, so they, carri-
4: they
5: carried on hideously about those sea yeah. monsters, and had
7: him convinced. Had him
6: convinced that <laughs> <of> the <laughs> sea, he monster, was sea monsters. But they also knew how a whale could destroy. She- yeah. I mean, sorry, a sea monster <laughs> could destroy a ship. Very so important
2: sea monster. Yeah. <laughs>
6: yeah. So they sea might. They might have known. <laughs> but the, the description that they had that, uh,
4: and one of the things they talked about, uh, the sea monsters mistaking the boat as a female, uh-huh. and trying to mate with it. Yeah. <laughs> Sharks mistake surfers as seals. Mm-hmm. Uh a lot of times. They, they say it's one try reason. To eat them. Yeah. So I it's quite possible the Viking longboats were about the size of, of some whales. It's possible he thought it was but I mean that's I why can I, see that happening.
3: That's why I <laughs> thought it was so great because you could tell that I mean they're Vikings, they traveled places. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah. they you could yeah. tell they probably had that knowledge of what a whale was. They might have not called it a whale. They called might have had C-Mons. some other name for it, or sea monster or whatever. But I guarantee <laughs> you I guarantee you they knew basically how a whale worked. Mm-hmm. And so I like to believe that they were just messing with him. Like, watch out, the terrible sea monster! Well, the sea monsters gone now. See, where's
6: Percy Jackson? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's
3: like nice. they're going to destroy us. And I can just imagine them just totally playing up the danger <laughs> yeah. of the sea monster. and because yeah. you know you're dealing with the protagonist being a guy who has never set foot well, yeah. yeah. on a boat ever, mm-hmm. and so I guarantee you has no knowledge of what a whale is. You know, he lives in a thing that I believe is long lost because I don't remember if they say exactly where he is. I don't remember. Yeah, but, you know, Fire not anywhere near an ocean. He lives in a desert, okay? from, from
1: Baghdad. Yeah. 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 yeah.
3: Not anywhere near uh, an ocean, <laughs> okay? And so, yeah, he would have no idea what a whale looks like. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. He would totally believe. That's a sea monster. He's going to kill me and eat me and, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, w- that was probably, if I had to pick a favorite scene, I picked that one just because it shows how the Vikings like to tease him. Because mm-hmm. a lot of this book is them teasing him mm-hmm. for his belief in one God. You know, oh, like you said, <laughs> it can't be one God to do everything, no. you know? <laughs> and, you know, the fact that, you know, they're just astonished because he can write words or write sounds. Yeah. you know, yes. the but, whole...
4: But they didn't want them to write their name. Their they're names very superstitious about because them. They yeah. thought that would be... Taboo. Yeah, mm-hmm. like so. Taking a picture or something.
3: Just you know, everything they kind of mess with them, and even uh, even though at first, I he could probably it seems like they're making fun of him because they don't like him. After a while, it feels more like a friendly, like, yeah. <laughs> banter. You know,
6: like they treat
5: everybody. Yeah,
7: yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: It's not that they're treating him differently because he's mm-hmm. different, but it's because oh, mm-hmm. you're another person. We'll make fun of you. you <laughs> know what the, I mean? the
5: interesting thing was, I thought that Uh, because they're asking them can you draw sound meaning if we say words can you write down what it means they Mm -hmm. they didn't have the language for writing but it's like can you draw sound and when he understood what they meant he's like yes and how the guy gave him some stuff several sentences to write down and then waited like three days and said and said what does the picture say and he repeated it back to him mm-hmm. it wasn't really until that point that the guy believed him and was convinced but looking mm-hmm. at what he had drawn on the paper mm-hmm. he told him verbatim what he had said yeah.
7: mm-hmm.
5: and at that point his respect for him was and he kind of got the yeah. other guys to lay off a bit
7: mm-hmm.
0: um, my favorite part is That moment when Bullywith stands up with the two ravens. That this was very textbook heavy text. Mm -hmm. It was worth it to get to that scene. There is a moment like that in the movie, but I got chills, you know, listening to it from the book from the book. That moment when he stands there Odin S. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I know he backs out of the story to explain the significance from another perspective, but I already knew the significance, mm-hmm. and it was just it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And as a fan of Beowulf, that was just it was just
7: beautiful.
6: Oh, it was it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, he already knew he was dying, but he didn't go oh, out yeah. sitting on the sidelines with an injury. Mm-hmm. He went out fighting like he should. Yeah. <laughs> like Odin himself, he, he, he kind of, he to, uh, Beautiful. He,
4: he wanted to have his warrior's death. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to sit, yeah, and die mm-hmm. without, without yeah. his honor. So,
2: and that is that is just so classic Viking. From everything that we are taught about them, everything that we know is offhand. Oh, Vikings! You know, yeah, they're like they're literal warriors. <laughs> like They will not go down without a fight. I never put two and two together, but in
4: Star Trek the Klingons are basically space Vikings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so we'll go around and, and
0: talk about some negative aspects. Um, Lewis, what what didn't you care for?
2: Um, it's not that I didn't care for it, but um, something that Maylene touched on earlier um was when he first gets his guides and he's talking about traveling from like this city to this little point here to this point here because he's going up to where he's supposed to be he, he like he mentions that oh we went here and then we stayed for four days and then we traveled for a day and then we stayed in this place for seven days and, and I'm, thi- I'm sitting here going wait stop you can't just offhandedly say that you stayed somewhere for <laughs> 20 days for no reason. Why are you staying so <laughs> long in this place? I don't understand it. But that, it ties into the textbook anthropologist nature of mm-hmm. the the first part of the book. It's it just, there's no reason to talk about it, so it's not going to be talked about or explained, and it just kind of frustrated me a little bit.
6: Well, the interesting thing about the first part of the book, like I said, the first three sections yeah. were almost verbatim from the original text. yeah so that's why it might not be quite as interesting because yeah. it's not we haven't gotten to the story yet yeah that's true but we've learned of his voice in the process yes,
5: yes. Ahmad Ibn Fadla
0: yes Antonio Benderas yeah. <laughs>
7: exactly <laughs> Antonio <Benderes. laughs> too sexy too sexy <laughs> I'm sorry
3: but like I, I watched the first because um, um, what was it Voodoo. Voodoo you can watch the first two minutes of anything free and then gotta pay for it I watched the first two minutes and the whole time I'm thinking because you have Antonio Banderas okay y- you know what ethnicity is right I think everyone here knows what ethnicity is and he's playing a Middle Easter and the whole time I kept thinking that's like Sean Connery playing the Highland you know last Highlander, whatever?
4: Playing the Spaniard.
3: Playing the, the Spaniard. I'm like, why didn't they just <laughs> <kill> make him <laughs> cast or make him Scottish? <laughs> yeah. He wasn't a
4: Spaniard. He was Egyptian. Or Egyptian,
3: whatever.
7: Well, yeah. still. <laughs> that makes it worse. Exactly. Because <laughs> they call him the Spaniard.
0: <laughs> By the time we get to him in the Highlander, he's dressed in Spanish garb. was an Immortal like, from Egyptian. I
3: mean, not, nothing yeah. against Antonio Banderas, you know, as an actor. Nothing, after, nothing no, at all. I can't tell you about it. But it's like, this is supposed to be a Middle Eastern character. The funny thing is that's yeah. not
2: that's not the first time Antonio Banderas has been miscast in something. <laughs> like he did he did um, interview with a vampire, and the character that he's supposed to be playing is essentially like Armon. like a young child, right? Oh yeah, Armon, like yeah yeah 16. yeah, he's like a young boy, not. Antonio Banderas so when I'm reading that book and it comes up to his section I'm going okay when is he going to become an adult what's going to happen mm. this is wrong <laughs> uh, yeah, well uh, you yeah. say miscast
0: I say interracial actor do ah, uh, yeah, he so
7: well you know
6: <laughs> my favorite character is him as Puss in Boots so he's well, obviously not true. a cat he can so. be a, cat. Oh,
7: <laughs> he he a can. cat he makes a great <laughs> cat he makes
2: a
3: great Viking cat i just saying if I were an actress, I would love to be such a great actress. I could be interracial. That's just <laughs> that would be so great. Open up a whole new <laughs> line of characters I can play. Mm-hmm. I could see you as an Egyptian. <coughs> Thank you. Oh, I, I hope so.
0: <laughs> but, uh, Wayne, uh, negative or not negative? Criticisms. 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 Uh, other than being a bit
5: textbookish, it's not the scientific.
6: No, it's not. It's the not. The, it's it's the not the area.
5: scientific stuff, but it is full of footnotes.
6: Yes. Yeah. You know, and it's them like a page and a half long yeah. footnotes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and
5: something that I did appreciate, uh, he would be coming up at the story, and then he would throw a footnote and say, he wrote more of the same. But I'm going to skip over that to this next point because it was more of the same. I wish he would have done that more often. <laughs> the story would have moved a little, a little, a little more uh, smoothly. But um, it, it was, like I said, it it took. Those first three sections, it was probably somewhere around section four, uh, or maybe into section five before I really got sucked into the tale And you know, by that time we we have met Bully Wolf and his his other character, the other characters, and I'm you know I'm not thinking anything about it. Uh, you know, well that's similar to Beowulf, but you know they're Vikings and. They recycle names and 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 then they come to the mead hall on the hill and King Hrothgar and I'm sitting here going He's doing a retelling of the Beowulf legend from a historical point of view. Yes. And th- this is Beowulf. Mm-hmm. Even I mean, once they got to the big meat hall on the hill, mm-hmm. and started introducing the characters there, I I knew we were in Beowulf. Mm-hmm.
0: Even before that, with the the sea monsters, that's where Beowulf's story starts. Yeah, is yeah. in the race, the to, swimming race, the swimming, the swimming race, race with the sea monsters. So it is verbatim, beat for beat, Beowulf. And well, I think we'll talk about that at the end.
5: Yeah, but, but it, it was. Um, it was interesting because you're you're looking at uh, a historical writing, you know, of events that supposedly took place from this outsider's point of view, that are like the seminal events of the Beowulf story.
7: And
2: so, was this something that um, you found to be like? sort of more of the same like you already knew the story or was it did it make it more interesting for you
5: actually it made it uh, once I realized we were looking at, at Beowulf it made it more interesting because I'm familiar with Beowulf yeah and obviously this is like the the seminal events that spawned the Beowulf legend in essence yeah so, because at every at every story at some point or legend, there there was some truth that sparked it and got the story going.
4: Although yeah. I, I think this, comparing this to Beowulf, this is a much easier read it, yeah.
7: yes.
2: <laughs> than an a, actual than Beowulf actual text. Beowulf. A lot of that for me came down to the fact that it was just <clears throat> modern language. Like, I've, yeah. I've read Beowulf before, but it's typically been, you know, like an adaption and a translation and an old one at that so it's just it's a little hard to read Mm. yeah this was this was sort of easy at that point Dave
1: Um, I liked the book until the chapter with the dwarves Mm, yeah I just completely was I was I almost stopped reading the book then in there because I just thought that like I I enjoyed the story and, and it I was picturing myself in there, and then it totally felt like it went to Dungeons and Dragons. It went Tolkien. It went really Tolkien. It felt like it went to Dungeons and Dragons in there, and I'm going, okay, I'll just get through this since it was only like four pages or something like that, and I go, I could just mentally skip that out of my mind. (laughs) And I honestly think that Mr. Crichton probably put that in there, probably just as filler for the book.
0: I think plot-wise he needed a way for them to figure out where um, the caves were at the ocean. No, I mean... But there could have been another way to do that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, like,
1: I like the movie version better, and I'll leave that to the, the podcast listener to to determine what they like better. But I like the movie version better of how they got into the caves. But um, in my opinion, they really didn't need to get their little daggers from the dwarves because really? Beowulf had the sword runling.
0: They all had short swords.
1: They they well he had the special sword that he yeah. got from his father, so why would he depend on some dwarf's dumb little dagger? I I just he, went whatever. The,
0: the the reason they give in the uh book is you can't swing a great sword around in a cave.
1: Yeah, but they they'd they still have their little battle axes and they, spears. They didn't yeah, need they to didn't get, need They didn't need to get some special weapon and he didn't need to add some little dwarf thing in a far off cave and and it, to me it kind of ruined the story that, they, they, they could have completely, yeah. completely have skipped that part I mean because reading the book here it made me believe like the whole thing was real and he was just like translating it into a modern version but when he added in the little dwarf thing it kind of ruined it for me
0: no it's completely yeah. fair I had problems with the dwarves too
1: and um, I'm not a big footnote person at all I'm mean, not going to stand a footnote here and there with a brief description of of translating it into more modern time or or, or more modern language for someone to understand because it might be an old language. But I just didn't like how some of it were like almost a page long just to describe one word mm. that the footnote was out or one sentence. I mean, I just thought the footnotes were completely. Unnecessary. Kind of like how they take redundant,
3: obscenely long to tell the entire tale of the. Uh, oh God. Well, the fairy tale that he tells, or the Yeah, yeah. And well, you I, like <laughs> Abu Kassim's
4: slipper. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed. I enjoyed Which, the, the, I the little the story. story.
1: It was kind of funny, but I'm going, I just didn't really care. I liked the slipper. But
3: well, it was a good story. It's I, I, a real fable. That, no. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I it was a. Decent fable, <coughs> but at the same time it's like I understand where Dave's coming from. I, it's like I, I
6: appreciated
7: I
5: appreciated the footnote on that because the footnote explained why the Vikings, because of their culture and background, didn't laugh, didn't laugh, and didn't find the story amusing.
0: yeah no. He not that sad. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is.
5: Because he's <laughs> working really hard to get this humorous story and share with them and they're, they're getting all excited laughing up and Laughing and laughing and then...
6: No. Mm. no. no. Right,
4: Justin? Well, I will have to agree with Dave on the footnotes because in one section the uh, footnotes are two and a half pages. You know, that's, yeah. that's the one talking about the uh, the slippers and then there's one section talking about uh, some of their not laws but uh, some of their customs went for another page and a half almost two pages and it really didn't need to be in there Um, and it slowed the story down considerably I think (coughs) but um, and I, I have to say the the dwarves was a bit of a stretch you know, I, I can I can see a, a, a culture of large, strong people. You know, out of so many hundreds or thousands of births, there's bound to be a dwarf born. Uh, so I can I can see possibly one or two, but a whole
7: little of them town them?
4: of
0: them. Yeah, and they didn't. Vikings, to my knowledge, didn't kill off to form. No, they didn't. No, Uh, they didn't.
5: But but what he implied there, and that's why I didn't have a problem with the dwarves is that when they did have a child who was born with dwarfism,
4: they would take them. They would take them
5: to the cave. But it was I got the I got the impression because the Vikings kind of covered a fairly large area Mm -hmm. that there were were several of these communities scattered around. So anytime any of, of the Vikings period had yeah. a child who was born as a dwarf they would take them to a cave of the Dwarves right
4: and I don't's a little more and
5: I don't that. know if this was if they all ended up in the same cave from all you know the yeah. entire Viking culture or if there were two or three of these caves but mm-hmm. then if you have the 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 dwarves you know mating with one another, there's a tendency yeah. for them to it, it, perpetuate. It just
4: kind of convenient, although that they were so close, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's that's the, you know, for me. Yeah.
6: Um, I don't know that I have anything else to add. I as far as that goes, you know, I kind of agree with. Things that have already been said so far, um, but um, I it didn't. Bogged me when I was reading it, but I could see how it did break away from the this, the realism of the story. That scene with the dwarves, quote unquote, because everything else was, you know, we think they're monsters and then they're described, and you're like, well, they're not really monsters necessarily, mm. or the the dragon is really just the horsemen all with Torchward torches, torches, and it, it, the way it's moving it in the mist and everything looks like this. Glowworm or dragon you know you can see that but you, it has these there's an explanation for all of these things and it's not it's mystical in a way but not really it's you know it's it's telling the story it, believably
4: the, the physical you know? features they describe of the window are almost Cro-Magnon mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is
6: discussed actually in the appendix oh, God.
1: Appendix. I didn't even I didn't even get through that so <laughs> 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 um,
6: that actually and 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 the fact that since he first wrote the book, there have been more discoveries of some of like the cro man and Neanderthals and stuff, and and it really fits with the Neanderthals and the fact that although it, they haven't proven that Neanderthals didn't all die out at the time, that they've it it could be completely plausible that somewhere that far north they hadn't all been. Died, hadn't all died out, Homo and if that was and mm-hmm. lived yeah.
4: in the same area right exactly,
6: um and so it seemed plausible, you know all these things seemed plausible, and it was interesting um and and I liked it, and I didn't mind, I guess because I knew what I was getting into after reading the introduction, and I waited until this week to read it. I was the last one to start it, but <laughs> finish <laughs> it um you know, and it just took me a few days but um. You know, I read the, first, I read the introduction in the first section one night, and then the next night I read the next two sections, and then I finished the rest of it that next day. You know, um, I think, read some throughout the day, and then that night I finished uh, including the first and third appendix the second one being a bibliography. I'm not going to bother reading a bibliography. Thank you.
7: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
6: don't need it. <laughs> I hated doing them when I wrote papers. <laughs> I don't need to read anyone's bibliography. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, that's but, the thing I always say. That didn't <laughs> <laughs> Ah bibliographies. I get why they're there. You have to... I, and if I had a work that was published and someone cited it, I would want it in the bibliography. But that doesn't mean I want to read it. I just want to know that I'm, I'm given credit for what yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> like,
2: I, I love MLA format. I will take that to my grave. I hate writing bibliographies. <laughs> MLA, uh,
7: um,
3: yeah, there's really not much for me to add. I think really the only thing that... I mean, I some of it I didn't mind. I just... I didn't love it, but, you know, some of it I didn't mm-hmm. mind. But I think the only thing that bothered me really was the fact that it took me so long to get into it. Because the first two chap- er, sections, I was like, Ugh. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like you guys mentioned earlier, you stay there for 20 days and then you go, okay. Because that really, you mentioned, like just <laughs> yeah, <right? stay. laughs> just tell me where they went. Yeah. And if it, is important to the story, okay, they stayed here for 20 days why? <laughs> Something had to have happened. <laughs> because well, we were at a couple stayed. of
5: instances. We stayed here for this period of time yeah. because it got cold and we were essentially yeah. snowed in, so we had yeah. no
7: yeah.
6: choice but to stay. But at the same time, it's like, oh my gosh, you know. We stayed there one day because it was just a little tiny town. Uh, just moving on. Part of it, I was like, just okay, I, I'm done with this section now, you know. So I, I
3: think that's what bothered me was that it took me so long to really get into it. It was the first two sections were just so, like you guys said, just um, textbook. Oh, my gosh. I, I felt like I was in school. <laughs> you know, I felt like I was back in like a history class or something and not even a, an interesting part of history, <laughs> you know. So, that was really my only problem, was that it took me so long, and then there were sections where he would start to do it again, like, then we went here, and then there, and then there, and then, okay, can you just tell me, you know, why you ended up going, you know, mm-hmm. do you to list these 20 different towns that you went to,
6: yes, you know? Yes, we
1: do. Mr. Crite actually said that in the foreword, that that's how the wording translated, I know. But I'm, I'm figuring that the reason why it was right, it, it was it was like that because he was riding while they was traveling, and mm-hmm. there was probably times where he couldn't, like in a boat, or the way they were yeah. traveling, he didn't really have. Well, you have to figure what were the riding implements at the time. He was probably riding on scrolls with. Yeah. And
5: it's kind of hard to do on horseback. Yeah, it's kind of mm-hmm. kind of
1: do yeah. on horseback, so. Probably by the end of the day, he didn't really know what to write. So he probably uh, we went here, we went here, we went here, <laughs> or yeah, he could have been did. in he could have been in areas where where the people were not used to um, people writing, and probably thought it was voodoo too. And by the time he got around to writing, he didn't really remember what to write. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, so he's we he went to
6: that that we still There's probably all there?
4: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, paper would be a hard thing to come by. So he had,
1: he didn't really want to describe anything in the tale. Okay, we stayed here, and he didn't want to. Probably didn't want to waste all of his paper because yeah, there wasn't going to be any.
3: Well, then the you know.
6: I don't know. That's what, that is my issue.
7: Yeah, no, I, I, can, I can understand yeah. that totally. <laughs> well, and it, it and seems
6: like you know, the first three yeah, sections yeah. were translated from the original text. Yeah. So and like I said,
1: who so it you be, be translated it correctly? And yeah. they, uh-huh. pro- they probably did because it was done by uh-huh. some many PhDs. Which I understand
3: if you're not going to want to waste a whole bunch of paper yeah. on a section. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like okay, if you don't want to spend a long time describing this, why even mention it? Well, I think, I think other than I think the fact he was there.
5: going someplace. Where really none of his countrymen had been before, and so he was documenting locations mm. in his writings. We traveled here, and then here, and then here, and then here, and from this point, we went this headed generally east or north and covered these places and crossed these rivers, and that way, somebody who's reading that account. Would follow in his footsteps afterwards,
6: right? Or piece together? You have to, you know, think there weren't as many maps then as there are now. You yeah. know, they didn't have GPS. They didn't travel. <laughs> they didn't, they travel, maps. Li- they didn't yeah. travel by map. They didn't line have a Thomas a Guide. guide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, traveling by map. He had to <laughs> tell them how they went.
2: Yeah. It kind of c- it colored it for me though, because e- even in the introduction, um, he mentions how the the actual manuscript is is written very like. Um, you know, bland and with little Mm -hmm. emotion. But I kind of feel like if I had been given that lens to view it through after I had read the story, I would have been more interested in the first part of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Because I'm going into it going, okay, this is going to be bland. Okay, this is somewhat bland. It's been proven true. (laughs) Right. right? Mm -hmm. I almost don't want to, like... Be told ahead of time. Yeah, what to expect, Right. you know?
6: I didn't mind because then at least I wasn't like... I was like, okay, if I can plow through this, yeah. you know, and get through. But at the same time, I, I think, because Michael Crichton could have easily left out that stuff. Hmm. I think the reason he left it in was to give rem- permissalitude to the rest of what he wrote. Because the first three sections <laughs> are almost verbatim from the original yeah. manuscript and then and after that all is that's where all of the manuscript that exists, th- that exists. Yeah. then after that is where they go off and after going through and being able to edit and make sure names and things were going to be consistent for the rest of his story and you know, edit some few words here and there he learned the guy's voice so he could write in the guy's voice mm-hmm. and and the fact that he has this in it you could look up the guy's original text and read it and go oh yeah that's right it brings that that truthfulness, that, you know...
5: Believability.
6: Believability into the rest of the story, making it seem like it's not quite as fictional as it is. Yeah. I think that's why he chose to do that. And it may be a little boring, <laughs> and can we just go oh. on now... But at the same time,
5: it's establishing voice. It is, and it's
6: establishing how things are going, and it's establishing the way our main character is looking at everything. And then once it goes into the Beowulf part, we we already are with this character and get why he, you know, what what he's doing, and how he views things, and how you know. So I think that that is why. One he thing didn't just edit everything. I,
3: one thing I did enjoy that I thought was actually kind of fun. At first, I was a little upset by it, but the more I thought about it, the more I found it really funny. The way the book ends mid sentence. <laughs>
7: <laughs> <laughs> I was so
3: upset. The very first, I'm like, what? Yeah. And then what? <laughs> and then, <laughs> then, <and> then <laughs> <laughs> the no what? a moment. No had a moment.
7: Right.
3: Yeah. But then the more I thought about it, I go, you know what? If he's writing this whole thing to be like some historical documentation type thing, and the rest is lost, uh, whatever, I get it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> either lost, right. or maybe he was interrupted halfway through writing it and could mm-hmm. never finish it.
7: Mm-hmm. Somebody ran out of it? ink. <laughs> I
0: somebody know. who's read a bunch of historical documents. Mm-hmm. I've read a lot of sword fighting manuals mm-hmm. from the 14th century. You'll be reading along, and then either you'll get this footnote that says section missing, or <laughs> it'll just end. End. It's just end,
3: so gone. So if it's supposed to be this historical thing, how like that's
6: actually genius. Yeah. It's really because yes. I, like right now there, it happened. Like now it happened, <coughs> and those then those it
5: words. says the manuscript ends abruptly at this point
6: <laughs> and like, the what end happened? of the transcribed
5: face with the final terse word <coughs> Luke fit and although there is clearly more of the manuscript further passages have not been discovered <laughs> this is of course the purest historical accident but every translator has commented upon the odd appropriateness of this <laughs> abrupt ending which suggests the start of some new adventure some strange new sight that for the most arbitrary of reasons of the past thousand years will be denied us.
7: And
3: the whole time I started thinking, it's ingenious because, on the one hand, I was kind of happy that it was over because, you know, the story's over, everyone's, you know, going to do whatever. And then it happened, and you're like, then what oh happened? What happened? happened? What happened? <laughs> I can't... It's okay. I don't care. Whatever. I don't care. (laughs) What happened? (laughs) What happened that you were going to talk about it, but for some reason either got lost or you stopped writing?
2: And realistically, that's the sign of a really good writer. If if they can like trap you in like that and make you want more. Or you're like, okay, is
3: there a sequel to this? Because i got to (laughs)
2: figure out what happened, right?
5: My U.S. history teacher in college, he would assign uh, books historical novels to either read the whole thing or like Northwest Passage he says you're required to read the first half of Gone with the Wind it's a big book so he wasn't assigning the whole book but the first half covered the parts that were historically important to the class I doubt out of say a class of 25 students I doubt there were more than five students who did not, after class was over, finish reading Gone (laughs) with the Wind. But that is one of the few books that I have read Uh, when I finished it. You had gone through so much with this ensemble cast of characters. A month down the road, I would find myself wondering what so-and-so is doing now. (laughs) consistently for you know six months or more after I finished Gone with the Wind I would find myself reflecting on different characters and wondering what they were doing now you're still going with the Wind <laughs> you know oh, Jesus. and you know you just got that drawn into the lives of these people and when the book came to a close but their lives didn't end I mean the ones obviously some died in the book but others didn't you know, and it just became this, well, what's so and so doing? I wonder what
7: they're doing now.
6: You know, the fact that you surpri- wanted to know, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. that's true. And you
3: know, surprisingly, Time Not Gone With the Wind, completely off topic of what we're talking about. It's one of the few books film adaptations of a book that i never read or seen, so I don't know how that ends. And I'm very surprised <laughs> I did not find out somewhere along the way.
2: Well, there is a. I believe there's a sequel. Somebody yeah, finally
3: wrote a sequel. a sequel. I haven't
5: read it
0: yet.
3: Yeah. I haven't read it either.
0: Somebody obviously. had enough.
1: Like, what happened?
7: with <laughs> 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 the wind. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they had that teacher <laughs>
1: too. Um, <laughs> let me guess. Gone with the wind, two. No, it's Scarlet. It's <laughs> Scarlet. <laughs> it's
6: Scarlet. I think. Oh, Scarlet.
3: Scarlet. Is it? uh appeared with the uh, side.
7: All right, so.
0: Um, real quick before we wrap this up um, Beowulf how did everyone feel about the use of the Beowulf myth in this book
7: I
3: sorry um, I had never read Beowulf or seen any film adaptation until last night Mm -hmm. when I was at Bonnie and Justin's and they're like let's put on Beowulf I'm like Okay. Which I one did you watch? like The, the, new, the, the new one
2: B- that B-
6: screws up yeah. the story a bit? Yeah, totally screws up it up Rally, the CGI one. Okay. So yeah. The one that apparently does not do justice. It was written by
4: Neil Gaiman. They completely destroyed the plot.
7: And so,
3: that was the first... So, I'm assuming it only gets better. You know, if I actually read the book or whatever. So, that was the first time I'd seen any adaptation. I had never read the poem, you know. So... After I kind of wish I had seen it before I'd read Eaters of the Dead.
7: Mm-hmm.
3: Not because... I mean, I'm kind of glad I did not because I wouldn't have the you know, visuals in my head. But at the same time, it's like it would have made reading it so much easier more enjoyable because then knowing I'd be the like story. knowing <laughs> so. that okay oh this is a correlation between this guy oh this is a correlation between this guy mm-hmm. and then it wouldn't have been so like dry in mm-hmm. my opinion I would have been I would think I would have enjoyed the book I think I enjoy the book now that I finished it and see Beowulf then it's like okay I enjoy the book a little bit more knowing what it he was trying mean. to do
7: you know kind of thing mm-hmm. so
6: that was yeah.
7: Yes.
6: <laughs> well, I, I like it. The whole point of him writing the book was he wrote the book on a dare. His friend was talking about how boring reading Beowulf was because you have to read it in history class. And it was basically, he's like, I can make Beowulf interesting.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: So he wrote a story to make Beowulf in more interesting. No, that, I, mean, I, <laughs> that's, I mean, that was that was his goal. That was originally that was why he started to write it.
0: The, the way you had a teacher who put part of Gone with the Wind in front of you I had a teacher who put part of Beowulf in front of me and I went down the rabbit hole of like no I need to read this <laughs> and Beowulf is for all intents and purposes the very first superhero comic book ever written <laughs> I have I've written papers on this because Beowulf in the poem is a superhuman he holds his breath for hours under water he, he you know, rips Grendel's oh, arm right out of the socket, but with his bare hands. You know, he is this the superhuman. Um, and I had issues with Crichton taking the super out of Beowulf.
7: Okay,
0: I that was my holdup. Like when when um, Bullywith stands with the. The crows at the end, my favorite scene. That is the super coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, Beowulf is, for all intents and purposes, the super Viking. He is what every super character, Superman. I I've made the argument that without Beowulf, you don't get Superman. You don't get John Carter of Mars. You don't get the superhuman heroes that we have. And you know. Beat by beat for beat, this is Beowulf. The dragon under the water, killing of the mother, the, win, the windle. Even the names the windle. Um, I prefer my Beowulf to be super. That's fine. That's
6: fine. He was trying to write the what, historical, the historical roots. roots of Beowulf. Yeah, which was done by
5: humans, right? And weren't super.
6: Every super legend had, had started somewhere. Okay, they all started somewhere. All of our, all of our legends and myths have something that sparked it. So he was trying to write the real story that became the, the legend. The legend. Okay, yeah. so I don't think he was trying to destroy Beowulf.
0: No, and, and I've, I've said <laughs> on multiple occasions, Thirteenth Warrior is the best Beowulf movie ever made. <laughs> um, and
7: the the
5: the Wendel, which was this race, you know, of creatures, the Neanderthals or what, mm-hmm. whatever, in uh, Beowulf become condensed down to the monster Grendel. Yeah, you know, and the arm is left behind. And displayed so, yeah. in the me, you know mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. mean yeah. hall, yeah, and then there is the confrontation you know with Grindel's mother, there's a confrontation with the dragon, they aren't necessarily in the same sequence, mm-hmm. but you know uh the the roots are there of what grows into the it's legend the legend yeah
4: i I know um when i first I, I saw the movie before i ever read the book, and I just my uncle had the book laying about and I picked it up and started reading it and then I realized this this is familiar and oh, this is the 13th warrior. So, but, and then I was reading through and I got to the part where the arm mm-hmm. gets left behind and I, that's when the similarities clicked in my head and then I had, when I finished that book, I, I realized I, I had to read Beowulf over again so I could compare the two and uh, uh, in a way I, I agree with Brandon you know the Beowulf should be more super but at the same time I think he did it in a way where it was easier to comprehend
0: this is a nice companion piece to Beowulf yes but I still prefer the poem yeah
2: I think this is one of those situations where like The legend, simply because it's a legend, is um, like more. It's it's vastly more entertaining than the you know potential real scenario of what started it. You know.
6: Mm -hmm. I just thought of the Doctor Who episode (laughs) where he he Uh takes Clara. Because she wants to meet Robin Hood, and he's oh. like, Robin Hood doesn't really yeah. exist. Robin Hood's just a myth. Blah 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 blah. And then Robin Hood exists, and he's like, you ha- you can't be real. You can't be real. And finally, he's like, he's real. He's a real. G- but he's really Robin Hood. He's too perfect. He's not supposed to be. He expected someone who was just not at all like the myth, and he ended up getting someone who was the myth. And I'm yeah. sorry that, just that
4: that would be an interesting episode. Doctor Who meets
6: Beowulf Beowulf yeah that's
7: totally alright Moffat let's do that <laughs> um, so alright
0: uh, n- normally we go around and we recommend something similar if, if, you, if you liked this if you're the listener you liked uh, Michael Crichton um, Eaters of, of, of the Dead Um of the Dead does everyone have anything because this is such a very
6: Unique. You need you need uh, if you liked Eaters of the Dead, read Beowulf. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. much. Yeah. Beowulf, or or anything else by Crichton, but be Bale aware else. that he puts yeah. stuff in it that gets boring after a while. There's
0: one book I have. Isn't there a graphic, the graphic novel comic. based
5: on this that's set in the future? Something called Grendel.
0: <laughs> well, Grendel. Well, you have to be careful. a comic the, series. Grendel's a comic series. Where the idea is, there has always been a Grendel throughout history. So Grendel takes place in multiple here, <laughs> like the Slayer, like <laughs> the Slayer, except the villain of the piece. Um, and uh, uh, th- there's multiple Grendel stories. Now
5: I I, I don't remember the author, but uh, there was there was a novel by the title Grendel, which was. A retelling of the Beowulf legend from the monster's point of view.
6: That would be interesting. I
5: enjoyed that one a lot, but I don't remember the author. But you can Google it.
0: There is a movie adaptation of that called Grendel. The movie's horrible, (laughs) but (laughs) I know what you're talking about. <laughs> the, the
4: book
5: was really awesome.
0: Yeah,
3: you're trying to sound like crying, breaking yeah. up something like that has nothing to do with it. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's there. But it's there, just <laughs> right the,
0: the, uh, I happen to be on Facebook and I found a book similar to this called "The River of Corn" by John Rose Putnam. Putnam, yeah. Putnam. It's uh, <laughs> kind of a I'm in-depth saying. historical fiction of the Mayans versus Cortez. Hmm. Oh wow. That's gotta be bloody. Yeah, the cover art of the book is just beautiful. Um, So it's in the same vein of historical fiction.
3: Well, I guess if we're going by historical fiction, like, you know, if you want to suggest a book that's historical, you know, like that, in that category, I would suggest The Good Earth. Oh, man. That's a great historical fiction. Mm -hmm. It was written by Pearl Buck one of my personal favorites and it's all about uh takes place during the Box Rebellion in
7: China
3: in China mm-hmm. and it's about this family they start off as poor farmers it's, it's this man on his wedding day that's when it's how it starts it's on his wedding day he gets married to this servant girl and it follows them to when they eventually have a good year and they become wealthy and it's all about this family and, like, their ups and downs. And, you know, it's, it's a really good book. Again, better... Th- I can't describe it as well <laughs> as I probably could, but...
6: I just realized that I, I am remiss. I have read one other Michael Crichton book, and I will recommend it now. It's called Pirate Latitudes. It was actually um, published post-mortem. That was his last one. It, yeah, it was one of his earlier manuscripts, but he'd never published. It was the one published after he died. And, actually, it's really interesting. It's, you know, historical fiction... Um, and it's obviously pirates. Um, it's Jamaica yeah. 1665. Um, Ooh. This is a little bourbon here. Jamaica si- 1665 for Captain Charles Hunter. Gold in Spanish hands is gold for the taking, and the law of the land rests with those ruthless enough to make it. And actually, it was pretty enjoyable. I liked it. So, um, so. it's been a while since I read it, and I don't remember. I, I feel like it doesn't actually have a lot of the the lull like Mm. so many of his books do so yeah but I I enjoyed it Uh, it's been a while but yeah it was pretty good
2: all right uh, Lewis what are we reading next month next month Uh, I thought long and hard about what to suggest and I knew we would get to it eventually so I'd rather just do it now rather than later Uh, 10 year old Harry Potter is an orphan living (laughs) with his abysmal aunt and uncle and he is living just a a miserable existence. They mistreat him, they do not acknowledge him as like an actual member of the family, which he is. He does not like the situation at all. All of this changes on his 11th birthday when he discovers he is a wizard. The book that we are reading next is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yay. Or
6: if you're in England, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Stone. There you
2: go. Which <laughs> is a more
5: accurate title.
6: Which yeah. I, don't, I don't know what I'm more excited about, reading the book or the idea of having
3: British listeners to the show. not going to lie, that would that be That would be amazing. Really cool. <laughs> I, I think I would get really excited about that. Well,
4: it be interesting to get J.K. Rowling's t- uh, in, uh, input on our little, oh, little <laughs> podcast.
7: Don't <laughs> tease. <laughs>
0: uh,
4: <laughs> So, uh, see you next month.
0: Hey there, people of the Interwebs. Brandon Noel here again for the wrap-up. If you might have noticed, we've kind of changed our our format just a little bit. Um, When the podcast first started, we uh, we would all recommend a book and then vote on the next book. Well, basically what happened is, you know, in the... Uh, first five episodes of the podcast we kept getting ties and and tie votes and and, and tie breakers uh, so we all just kind of realized at this point we trust each other's tastes in books, we trust each other's tastes in material and uh, for the next couple episodes we did a thing where basically we went around and rec- everyone just got to pick the next book um, for a little bit until we we came upon a, a newer system where we are. Everyone wrote down uh, uh, two different books that they'd like to do on the podcast. We put it in a uh, TARDIS cookie jar, and from now on, we're just basically picking the books at random. Um, so if if uh, if you're a little confused on on the switch up, that's what happened. Uh, just just letting you know. Um, I kind of like the voting system I thought it was a nice way to wrap up the podcast but this is far much more functional and a lot easier to just deal with so um, it's our podcast and we can do it however we want uh, with that said uh, next month's book is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone the very first Harry Potter book. Um, in, in the Harry Potter uh, universe, uh, they made like eight films, all kinds of stuff. The ninth film's coming out right now, set in that universe. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Um, that's actually kind of cool. Uh, that I believe that movie comes out in November, and that our podcast just kind of happened to line up with that. You might think we timed it that way, but we didn't. Um, it just kind of happened by accident. Um, winky face, winky face. So um, that's really cool. Uh, next month, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And uh, before you, uh, you click out, um, I want to, to ask you to take the time to uh, write a review on iTunes. Even if it's negative, let us know what you think we're doing wrong. Let us know what you like. Uh, By writing a a review on iTunes, it kind of helps other people find this podcast. Uh, I personally am a Stitcher listener. I listen to my own podcast and many more on Stitcher. But they don't let you write reviews and comments and things of that nature. But uh, uh, I'd ask that you you go over to iTunes, write us a review, let us know what you think. Um, I know the Internet's not necessarily shy about those things. Uh, With that said... um, those meddling kids all throughout October it's going to be on uh, Kickstarter you can, you can get through the link to uh, through our website through uh, the Facebook pages because if you're unaware there's two Facebook pages run by this company uh, Destiny Comics and then 8-Bit Pulp has it's own Facebook page which is a pulp anthology that several of the uh, people on this podcast contribute to as authors and illustrators and photographers um But uh, for for the month of October, uh, you can find our Kickstarter information, Those Meddling Kids, uh, through uh, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and uh, anywhere, the the internets, we we are on the internets, Uh, uh, destinycomics.com, and that's comics with an X, because I'm a 90s kid. Uh, thank you so much I hope you enjoyed this episode and next month Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone